Welcome to the Make Life Click podcast. Our vision is to awaken deeper levels of connection, direction and purpose in people's lives through a reimagining of online community. We believe in the power of trust and that we're at our best when we're together. Welcome back to the MLC, the Make Life Click podcast. This is now episode three and it's my pleasure to welcome Mehdi Shilly. And it's, uh, we were just um, reflecting prior to starting this recording how it really is amazing to be able to record this during lockdown V2 in the UK with Mehdi all the way over in Switzerland. And for those of you who don't know, Make Life Click is a new online community and we're in the preview stage at the moment and we're rooted in seven values, which are trust, humility, honesty, kindness, appreciation, courage and curiosity. And today we're going to be focusing on the second of the Make Life Click values, which is humility. So, Mehdi, are you ready? Yes, thank you very much for having me. You're very, very welcome. So, um, Mehdi, I'd like to hand over to you just to give a, a quick introduction to yourself, who you are, maybe a little, little bit about your background, and then really importantly, the Make Life Click way, just asking what's motivating and inspiring you right now? Yeah, sure. So you, you mentioned it. So starting with the obvious, I'm not French, um, but I come from the French part of Switzerland. Um, I am married now for 10 years and I'm a happy dad of a four years old girl. Um, on the professional side, uh, I spend majority of my time in a corporate world. I started uh, for about a year in a startup, but then I moved to a to a large corporate, mainly in business management, in marketing, in digital, in education as well. And now I'm currently working, um, I'm creating a startup, which is also very exciting, uh, within the company. So it's kind of role of entrepreneur and uh, the industry, the professional healthcare industry. So we try to make the visit to the hairdresser more enjoyable to, uh, to technology. So very exciting. Um, and beyond that, now a little bit less, but uh, in the, in my, before being a dad, <laughs> when I had a bit more time, I was also a university lecturer, uh, coaching startups, trainer. So I had a lot of outside activities. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's overall about me. Um, now the question on motivation. Um, I think something that motivates me is uh, finding ways could be with my team, could be with my friends, family, or brother, but finding ways to inspire people to, to dream more, learn more, do more, and yeah, which the objective become more. And that's, that's, yeah, I have a lot of uh, appreciation and admiration for people like you, entrepreneurs, trying to really go, uh, go for their dreams. So that's, uh, that's something that, uh, yeah, I think motivates me try to be uh, to be uh, able to help. Fantastic, fantastic. And what what would you say, uh, Mehdi, is especially on your mind at the moment? It's been a, a real big year so far in many many different ways. But what is really at the forefront of your mind right now? Not and I, I'm not just talking in a work professional capacity, but just in a kind of whole of life capacity. We say that we are in a VUCA world, so very versatile uh, and changing all the time. Uh, so a lot of things in my mind. Um, obviously, the outside context uh, 
is uh, is quite challenging. Um, I, on one hand, it's uh, very insightful because I live things that other people live on the day to day, and I never experience. So, having some concerns on health, some concern on supply, on on other things that never really crossed my mind. So, it was quite a quite eye opening experience as well. Um, I, that's the external context. The internal one was obviously also in a, in a stage in my life and with family where we start asking also questions. Um, so that's also uh, also part of a, of a big year of external changes and probably personal changes. So it's also seen the, in the coming years with, uh, where we go. So that's probably one of the key things uh, in my mind. It's what the future will look like. Even if I try to not think too much about it, <laughs> there are so many things in, uh, in my mind. I try to more focus on right now, right here, uh, and try to keep my mind focused on that. Yes. Yeah, and I think there's a, a lot of folk listening who would um, really gain a lot, I think, from um, just hearing you say that. The challenge to focus on the here and now, to be present in the here and now, when there's potentially so much fear and uncertainty about the future, both personally at kind of friendship family etc level but then also at national and international level um Mehdi, if we could just talk um for a, a couple of minutes just around make life click you, know, you uh for those who are listening who don't know Mehdi was one of my early um supporters and encouragers in relation to make life click and Mehdi reached out to me probably two or three months ago now when I was writing about Make Life Click and saying, mm, not sure whether to go ahead with it just yet because obviously people are extremely busy. There's a lot going on. And Mehdi was one of the people who came to me and said, look, I think essentially there's no better time than right now to give something like this a go, a community based around values, based around more than just work based around being more open, honest about the things that we potentially struggle with, but also being more open and honest about the good things of life that are happening amidst all the troubles and challenges right now. So Mehdi, being a, a kind of early supporter and early um, adopter, I guess, of Make Life Click, what do you most hope for just in relation to being part of the Make Life Click um, community yourself over the next few weeks and months? It's linked to the motivation, I think, uh, to what I said at the beginning, helping others uh, within the community, if we can help each other. And, and that's probably something that uh, I hope for. So people can reach out or just share, um, and this can be adding value, positive value. So that's probably the, the first one, helping others. Um, learning as well. I think this is... This is something we miss a lot, uh, being exposed to different ways to see the world or different people with different backgrounds. Uh, I realize more and more that within my friends or contact or colleague, we are all more or less coming with the same background. But by nature, I think neighborhood or colleagues and all the connections are, are very similar. It's probably for a reason. You, you tend to, to go with people that you... Uh, like you, uh, and I think that's that's probably something missing. That's probably a gap. One of the on, on the side note, one of the great things about Switzerland, or great things. I don't know if it's a great things, but 
there's a positive about it. Um, we are forced to do the army. So it's about three months. Uh, it's a year in total, but the first time is three months where you are 18. And in during this time, you really meet the entire society and you meet people from all different backgrounds, uh, same age, same gender. Okay, so they are biased here, but you really see, and that was really also eye-opening for me, really understanding people, where they, what they have been through, what are their life, and that, that's something quite interesting. So what I also ho- hope for this community is really to share personal experiences, uh, ways to see the world. And in the initial conversation we had with some of the members of the community, uh, uh, it, it changed a bit my perspective. Say, ah, oh, yeah, that's true. You, we can see it that way. Uh, haven't thought about it. So that was also uh, uh, quite interesting for me. And maybe the last one, um, to the first interaction in the first couple of weeks and the early adopters, um, I found it quite reassuring um, sometimes when I shared or when I read some comments and people say, yeah, I do have the same. Yeah, I have the same question. I have the same vision. I have the same dream. I have the same things. And this is probably not conversation I had around me. And that, that felt pretty good to say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm maybe not the only one with that. That's um, really exciting, actually, to hear you say that because that really was part of the vision there's so much isn't there in just our everyday lives particularly in a work context when we're talking to work uh, colleagues that we wouldn't naturally talk about with them and because we don't naturally talk about them we don't really understand beyond a, a certain level what our real similarities are where our real personalities kind of match each other's because we just keep things at a very businessy type of level so it's, it's really encouraging to hear that you're already starting to see that come through within the make life click community we've only been running for three weeks so far given your experience of using other um, social networking platforms I, I know you're i think i'm right in saying you're not a big user of social media social networking just given your experiences how would you, if somebody came to you and asked, um, how would you describe the difference between your experience so far with Make Life Click and what you get on your other social networking platforms? I would say deeper conversation, more and deeper in the sense probably more open conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, on some social, I'm observer in social media in general. I'm contributing a little bit on on LinkedIn, uh, but I'm more an, obser- an observer. And that's, I think there is a lot of on some of the social network to make sure that you look the best. Um, could be on LinkedIn because for obvious reason of finding a job or new opportunities or things like that. And also on, on Insta or Facebook also showing that you have an amazing life. So I think this is probably a, a big part of the content, even if it's not always true, but a big part of the content, this is how I perceive it. It's not always the case. There are some stuff that are also not always positive or showing um, other type of useful information, but uh, this is probably what I see more often um, versus what I saw so far on Make Life Click. Well, it's really, yeah, I think more open heart um, yeah. and more genius. Okay. There could be somebody listening who thinks, okay, Mehdi, that's really great to hear that you're getting to have a deeper level of conversation. But but should we really be doing that online? Is that actually a, a, a good thing? Is it something that we should be encouraging more of? 
what would you say to somebody who's perhaps um, a little kind of hesitant in that respect? Um, fully agree. <laughs> I can just fully agree. I have the same concern. I had the same concern. Uh, I think that's part of how the community works. Uh, I know this is still in the making. Um, something needs to be defined, but who is there? Um, who is invited? Um, who participate? How people participate? This is closed platform, so uh, you need to be to to have access to it to review all the comments. And there is probably an evolution along the way as well. So it, it's really, I think, a, a fair concern. Um, and the platform need to evolve to uh, to evolve as well um, as we go with it. And and it's probably how people feel comfortable to share. Um, yeah. I, for the time being, I don't think a lot of I have a lot of uh, colleagues on on this platform or the people who knows me. So for the time being, that works. Uh, now, indeed, uh, this is a, this is a conversation to have within probably the the whole community to see uh, to see what we can say uh, yeah. online. Yeah, yeah, those are really fantastic points. Thank you. And I. Um, one of the key reasons for us having a preview stage. So we're going through um, at least a, a three month time of exploring some of these things uh, together. So one of the, we're, we're calling it an exploration, but we also sometimes use the word inquiry. We're saying we're interested in seeing whether this new way of doing uh, community could work, whether it will catch, whether people will be interested and whether we can get the balance right between that kind of, best life as many put it as lots of people put it presentation of self versus being a little bit more open and getting a balance between the stuff that's going great and maybe some of the stuff that we are finding challenging that it could be helpful towards others within the community just to talk about and explore a little bit together one of the things that we're majoring around is this whole area of what we're calling hope over fear so we're saying how could my life, our lives, how might my life, our lives be different if we base more of our decisions on what we hope could be the outcome versus what we fear and puts in inverted commas will be the outcome because we often don't take decisions because we believe that what we fear is, is definitely going to come to pass. Since you've been in, introduced to this via Make Life Click, what's it mean to you? What's it coming to mean to you? Hope over fear, I, I see it slightly differently. Um, I see it hope and controlled fear or measured fear um, because I think a bit of fear on decision-making in general is actually a good thing. It's, it's, it's like stress. Um, with stress, when you are stressed on a specific situation, normally you are sharper, faster, you can actually survive a dinosaur attack or whatever is the actual uh, equivalent now uh, and so in sport for example also in sports stressing your body with new exercises is, is the way you grow muscles so ongoing stress is obviously bad no doubt about it but from time to time some stress is actually good and I would see the same with fear um, fear is forcing to, antici to anticipate threats and have a mitigation plan so if you want to create something you definitely need to um to anticipate this potential threat. Now, it's not everything. So that, that's probably one of the key things. You need to, um, it, must be, it must be real first, that there's a high probability that this threat will happen. It has to be big, have a big negative impact. 
and probably it's something you can act on, so you have a control. So if this is something like that, then definitely you need to take into consideration. So it drives, and, and, and I think this approach drives resilience, uh, and it's a bit also what you do with Make Life Click is saying, okay, we want to go for it, and that's really having hope, and that's really driving the driving force forward. But on the other hand, you are also aware of the threats and having some fears and say, you know what, maybe we are going to do a preview. Maybe we bring other people, maybe we, we do the lean startup approach and try to improve as we go. So this is why I think it's a, it's a very important of hope is um, push you to achieve greatness and this push you beyond your boundaries. So you definitely need it and definitely go for it. But uh, I'm, I'm really also for a healthy balance with a bit of fear, a controlled fear to really, uh, to really reach the goal. So more than hope of a fear is a hope and a controlled fear and the right balance between, uh, between the two. So this is how I would approach it. What you said then was really great. It's really important. Could you just repeat that, emphasizing particularly what you said about hope and that being the, uh, the, the route towards great things happening? Talk about that a, li- a little bit more. And maybe if you feel able to, relate it to uh, something that's happened within your life. To give an example, a lot of things are very hard in life. So for everybody, different level, different things, and and sometimes we want to go for something, and the natural human behavior is to look at at risk, at failure, and that's in general stop us. So it's time we have an idea or want to do something, uh, our mind go directly into the ah yeah no, uh, and that's really killing ideas, and we don't go for it because we put a lot of barriers. And um, and I think that that's that's what hope envisioning the positive outcome. And I think that's that's, that's a lot about that. There is there is different different book I read on so the topic is is really picturing um, a positive image of uh, what's going to happen. And um, and actually, uh, you, you wanted to know a little bit more on, on this part of my life in one of our previous conversation. I used to play in uh, in professional football teams. It's in Switzerland, so it's okay, not too big, but still. Um, and I am I'm used to be a goalkeeper. And what I did um, when we before the game, every time before the game, I had my music and I wa- I went in front in in the on the pitch, in the space when I'm going to play, and I was walking around and remembering all the great. Uh, action or all the great things I did during the previous game. And I just mentally remember this moment and I put them in the place. So I imagine me catching the ball here and I, vi- I visualize myself on the pitch doing exactly the same things. So every good action I did, I tried to put that back and that's really envisioning. That's preparing me for the game after I went back and changed and going back here and I said, that's really what's going to happen. I try to envision these positive things Everything I already did, but now in this context, that's what's going to happen during the game. So that's one of the tricks I, I use, and that's boosting also this kind of hope. And because if I'm fear, oh, maybe I'm going to do a mistake, maybe I'm going to miss the miss the ball, maybe I'm going. If I think about that, most likely it's going to happen. Yeah. But if I really put about my mind, so I'm going to catch this ball, I'm going to do something amazing, and all of that positive vibes, then I'm most likely going to be a, to be also a positive one happening. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and just reflecting back, one of the things when I asked you the question around what's on 
on your mind and what's in, in, important to you, what's inspiring you. You were talking around how it's really important for you to be able to inspire others, but also um, what you've just said then um, tells us how you how you inspire yourself to how you inspire yourself to um, uh, think more uh, positively, to give yourself the best possible chance of seeing more positive outcomes in relation to the things that you're doing. Um, I know uh, there's a book, I think, called something like Rainy Brain, Sunny Brain, which speaks very much to this, that there are um, some people who um, I understand have a more natural disposition to think positively about the future. So to um, envisage that positive things are going to happen. And then there's other people who more naturally look towards negativity and imagine that more negative things are going to happen. And the emphasis of the book is really on understanding which of those two states of mind you most naturally turn to, and then learning to understand and appreciate the opposite. So me personally, I would say I'm probably somewhere in the middle now, but in my Younger years, I certainly used to think more towards uh, negativity and, and expecting more negative things to happen. But I've, I'm slowly learning to, through making decisions, to think more positively and to say, what's the, what's the positive, what are the positive things that I would like to happen? And then expecting those things to happen. So living in a state of expectancy. That sounds very much like Mehdi, um, you playing football, and no doubt your experiences now in uh, your broader life. Would you say that you're naturally somebody who is more of a positive thinker in that respect? Probably positive, but I'm still always focused on the risks. And, 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 and that's, that's something I really struggle a bit, especially with my daughter. So she's three, now almost four. So when we walk, when we go somewhere, when she... she I'm just trying to look around and anticipate potential risk for her safety and say, okay, is there a car coming? Can, the, can she fall here? Can she hurt herself? So I, I still, uh, my mind is always a bit on assessing risk and, and try to mitigate them. So that, that's why I'm talking about uh, it depends probably the context, depends on the decision. I'm, for example, not going to take a decision saying, oh, we don't go on vacation there because there is a risk that she has an accident. No, um, I'm definitely going there. It's okay, let's go there. It's going to be fun and amazing. But when I'm there, I'm still looking say, okay, where are the risks and how can I minimize them? So my mind is still always on both, um, trying to go. And that's why I'm talking about the healthy balance. I still try to go things and some extreme sport and uh, climbing and different things in the mountain. So we still really enjoy these kind of things, but I'm still having a mind of, okay, how can I minimize risks i'm intrigued to learn a little bit more uh Mehdi, just around um what you said there around uh parenting and your daughter and this whole area of risk in um podcast one and two we talked a little bit about how we can sometimes project our own fears onto those around us often unconsciously so without without realizing talking around this whole area of parenting and I guess you could apply this in a in a work context too if you're looking after a, a team if you're responsible if you have a position of responsibility towards people how do you get the balance right between applying a sensitive and sensible approach to warning about risk and drawing attention to risk versus understanding where the line is in terms of you projecting your own 
fear essentially and a kind of overstepping the mark in that respect in a way that's not necessarily helpful towards the other person or the other people yeah uh, in both cases and that's i think super important that's the role of parents that's the role of leaders um, i had i had many boss in my career i had one who was really bad in terms of managing her stress and fears and she was receiving from the top and amplifying them big time and pushing them down to us. And that was a nightmare. Honestly, having a boss like that was just a nightmare. She stressed me so much because she was so stressed, so concerned, seeing all the negative things. Um, and I, I, it's, it's a bit what I said at the beginning. Um, the role of a boss and a leader, I would say more than a boss, more a leader, and probably a bit the parents, is to really assess the threat. And, and that's what I mentioned. Is it real? There's a really high possibility that this is going to happen. Because if there's 1% chance, why bother? Don't talk about it. Don't look at it. But if it's a high risk or high probability, it has a big impact. Sometimes we learn uh, with a failure. So um, uh, sometimes I let um, people in my team go in the wall and say, you're going to learn. I'm going to be there, but... You go there, you hit the wall, and it has a small, relatively small impact. It's a small failure, but I'm sure that you will learn more. So big impact. If it doesn't have a big impact, we let it go. And after, can you control it? There is uh, the circle of concern and influence. And if you cannot influence it also, or the person you are talking to cannot influence it, then also no, no need to talk about it and highlight. So it's really putting the threat within this lens and say, okay, if they stick all these boxes, maybe we should talk about it and, and finding the, the right way. But bringing perspective back, many times in my, my one-on-one with the team, they, they come, they are completely stressed at the end of the world. They say, hey, seriously, we are not trying to save life here. Put things in perspective, relax, breathe, imagine, okay, assuming this is reality. And after I go through these things and, and I go there, is it big? Uh, is it uh, high probability to happen? Is there something you can do? And when you ask specifically this question, the emotion goes down and say, ah, oh, yeah, no, you're right. Maybe that's not the end of the world. Maybe we have that. And actually, this is what we can do. So, so I think there's really an approach more, I would say, more um, thinking more about the, the, the threat itself and reflect on it and take it with less emotion. Turning the focus on to yourself, how do you become your own almost counsellor in that respect? How do you find time? How do you find quiet for yourself? to consider these kind of things inwardly? So it's when I start, so something start to, as I told you before, I'm, I'm trying to always assess the risk, uh, the risk level, what can happen and, and things like that. And when it's starting to stress me or at the beginning of this process, I'm, I'm trying now to focus on the probability. And when I look at big impact under my control and probability, in general it's probability. And I'm focusing on things that, seriously, the probability that a car hits or now coming from there is 2% or 0% or 1,000. It's very small. So I say, okay, now relax. Don't need to focus on these things. So I try to, to let it go and focus on right now and say, okay, now enjoy the moment. So if it's with my daughter, so instead of thinking, okay, what could happen bad to her? I say, okay, let's just enjoy the moment. I do, the, I do a quick scan. Is there something? And now, okay, fine. Let's enjoy the moment and enjoy the moment, breathe looking at her, playing with her and focusing. So that's, that's how I try to do it um, and remind myself each time my brain going in a, in a risk direction, going back to right here, right now and enjoying the moment. 
And, and that's one thing when I say enjoying the moment is we tend to uh, take our phone to take a picture and a video of the moment just to play it again. And I try to stop that. And I try to just say, I need this picture and this video in my brain, not in my phone. So I'm really going to focus mm. on the moment, feel the moment, feel the emotions, and record that in my brain. And, and this is something now I try to do more and more versus just picking my phone and taking a picture. Yeah, such a good point. That's such a good point. And particularly in the content-driven world in which we live, where I think from the experiences that I've had, and this is me too, um, we're often thinking, what's the next bit of content that I can push out to the world, typically via, via a social media platform? So I would question, it'd be interesting to get your response to this, whether lots of folk, when they're taking photos of their families, friends, situations out and about, they're not actually, first and foremost, capturing those moments such that they can gain pleasure from them again in the future. They're capturing them because they know that that's something that they can go home and push up to um, their social media platforms to show their friends. It's all about content more than capturing the moment for future enjoyment. <laughs> How would you respond to me suggesting that? It's possible. Honestly, it's possible. Uh, as I say, I'm not very active and posting. Uh, all the picture and videos are normally for uh, myself, uh, memories, and also uh, my parents, my families, because they are probably not uh, seeing her as often as they want. Um, so it's more sharing like that, and not. And I don't think about it sharing. I, I, when I capture it, I, I don't do it for okay. Let's. I will do it in that format, in landscape or portrait, because it's Insta versus Facebook or thing like. That. I, I'm not at all in this mindset. Um, my wife is neither, so we are probably not the good example there, or good. I don't know, good or bad example. Um, but I, I do believe when I see the number of posts that people do. Uh, on on crazy things, crazy like to me, uh, looks crazy or what they have for lunch or something like that. Um, I, 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 yeah, probably you're right. I haven't learned, uh, read these specific studies, but probably people are doing uh, for sure that it's also a job. When you look about influencer, that's a job. <laughs> Many of them are making millions by just doing that. So for several people, it's a job. Others is probably a nature. I don't know. Um, so. There's definitely a mix of the two. There's definitely a mix of the two. But uh, as you say, uh, some people uh, are more focused before there are people more focused on the on the positive versus negative. And I'm sure in this one, the, the world is so diverse. There are people focusing really on, on capturing moments for social media and other capturing moments for themselves. So I would not, yeah, I would not be yeah. surprised. It's a really intriguing point. And it's something actually within Make Life Click I, I'd be interested in just bringing up and having a conversation around it at some point. Let's move on to humility, um, which is the second make life click value um, that I mentioned as part of the intro. Mehdi, what does humility mean to you? That's a that's a very interesting one. That's um, something we have for a while also in Switzerland, and I and I also read a few things lately on the topic. So um, to me, it's recognizing that. Talent and hard work play a role, but the, the, there is a huge chance chance factor. So being lucky in success is important, and that's probably recognizing the first things that you are not necessarily better or smarter or whatever than others. Where you are, where you are, or you get, you have what you have, but 
luck play a big role. Right time, right place. And people told me, yeah, but I influence that where I'm on the right, pla- uh, right time, right place. Yes, you can influence a little bit. But uh, when we see some of the big decisions, I read, uh, read some bio- biography or, or successful people, there's always a tipping point, a moment where they say, okay, they were, they were luck here. So that, that's probably number one, um, recognizing the, the importance of chance of luck. Uh, and the second one, it's also something I, I, I apply f- for, for a couple of, for more than a couple of years, for, for several years now is assuming you don't know. Um, especially that you don't know what you don't know. And, and that's really about judging people or judging uh, interaction with people. I'm always amazed when someone say, ah, oh, this person is amazing, is brilliant, is a top talent, or the other way around, or this one is a disaster, is, so you say he doesn't know what to do and all of that. And, and I struggle because they base their judgment on, on nothing, or on one interaction, on one email, on one comment, and they have no clue. And they, they just have absolutely no clue. And, and after six months later, you just discover that this person has a cancer or the wife the, uh, or the partner had an illness or an accident or something went on in their life. And, and, and yeah, they just didn't know. So, so assuming you don't know was also a good way for me from saying, you know what, when we judge people and, and judge, judge situation on having a thought, just assume you don't know and give them the benefit, benefit of the doubt. There's a um, quote that I use a lot just around the whole area of humility. It's by someone called C.S. Lewis. And Mehdi, I I know that you've heard me say this, Um, but he suggests that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And the reason that I bring that up now is to me, that really ties into point two that you made there, assuming that you don't know. And the reaction to assuming that you don't know could be to, be curious and look to find out more. So to think of yourself less in in that situation and the immediate impact of the situation on you, but to becoming inquisitive and and curious around why for the other person, how would you say just around that point to, and that suggestion of thinking, it's not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less, how's it impacting you in your life? No, I think that that's exactly that. So, so being curious, not judgmental, so really uh, trying to understand why the person is doing that way, thinking that way, acting like they, behaving that way. And, and I think that's, that's very important. And I, and I always try to, to it, it's linked to another value. It's not, not to the make, uh, make light click, but another value that which is also to my heart is empathy. So try to really... Mm-hmm understand, put yourself in the shoes of the other person and understand why they think that way, why they would do that. And yeah, uh, this is something I, and it works quite well in negotiation. It works well, quite well in, in collaboration, in work environment. So, um, so I, at least from my experience, uh, it's helped to solve situation, difficult situation to remove, to de-escalate des- situation. Uh, um, so yeah, I try to use as much as I, as I can. Just to go back to the point earlier um, about what you said um, about how inspiring others is really important to you. In the area of humility, how do you hope, looking to the future, you'll be able to inspire others more in terms of being curious about getting to know, showing empathy, sympathy maybe? And then the second part is how do you hope that you will change and develop 
over uh, uh, over time um i try to bridge with two different opposite perspective so just a very concrete example there's a house going to be built just next to us uh, it's a big one and there are obviously a lot of negative around it and one of the neighbors of so my first reaction was to reach out try to understand talk versus taking legal actions and i had the first meeting with them and we found an agreement how we can minimize the impact on our house and we had a small agreement and all fine and another one another neighbor took the legal approach and dispute the entire construction they were so it was a massive negative for for both parties or mainly for the one who tried to go to uh, to build the house so what my role or what i took as a role is to bridge and to really explain why the person is doing uh, this legal action and trying on the other side explain why they do what, what they did that way and, and by playing a bit this translator i would say um, at the end, they find a compromise and they will stop the legal action. And I wouldn't say everybody is happy, but happier probably. And this is how we we avoid a conflict or a legal uh, a legal action. So, so the role I try to play here in inspiring other, helping others is is doing this translation and helping people to see the other way. Um, mm. It's like when you look at this image, and uh, if you look one way, it's a duck, but you can also see it as a as a rabbit. Same image, but two persons see exactly different things. And I try to say, hey, what do you see? A rabbit. Okay. Now, imagine if I hide that and you put that in that way, that's a duck. I say, ah, yeah, that's true. And that's exactly, you You see the rabbit, the guys next to you see the duck. So that's the role a bit I try to play. Talk to us a little bit about the power of listening in the era of humility, because it sounds like from what you were just saying there that empathy is extremely important. But a key part of empathy is listening. Yep. And how does um, listening kind of play out for you in the area of humility? It's 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 a very important one because it's linked to you don't know. So as you don't know, you need to to figure out, and the only way to figure it out is to to ask questions, to listen, to listen what what people say, but also what they don't say. Um, and it's, it's well known as well, but majority of what we say is not necessarily verbal. It's body language, it's reaction. So, so trying to really pay attention and being active listening. Um, and, and one point as well, yeah, when we talk about questions, there is one thing that I find very dangerous in general, in business or in life, is the hidden assumption. You need to take decision and by default you have limited information so you need to take assumption and and uh, sometimes we don't realize we take some assumption and we make a decision take a decision based on this hidden assumption and we are wrong but if we realize that this was the assumption we made maybe we would have asked the question is it like that and, and one of the very concrete examples i had a few weeks ago is um, doing a mentoring session the person came to me and said, yeah, my boss asked me to do that, that, and that. No way, it's impossible. I will not never have time and capacity to do, to do this. And uh, we started to, uh, to discuss and try to, to push a bit. And, and the hidden assumption the person made was she was supposed to do that alone without any extra resources. But I say, yeah, did you ask if you can get some extra resources to do that? 
because you are forced to do this job. Have you ever asked that? Oh, no. Finally, she went to the boss and said, okay, okay, I can make it. I can make what you ask for, but I need that and that. Okay, you got it. And she came back and said, oh my God, I never thought. I thought I was alone and I was the only one to, to do all of that. And that was a wrong assumption. That was a hidden assumption. And that's probably one of the key things when we talk about listening. Um, we also, it's not always about the answer. It's also about the question. So making sure that we also ask the right question and then we listen very carefully to the, to the answer. Taking your point there to heart, I'd like to do just that now. From personal experience um, in the whole area of humility, values, development, change, everything, the thing about the whole area of wanting to better better ourselves or to become uh, more humble in terms of what we're talking about today. It's easy in a time of, of quiet where there's no pressure to um, come up with best in, intentions and, and, and plans and ways and, and means of changing personally. But it's not until the, the pressure hits that the rubber hits the road, as it were, that often our true personality or our, our true ways come to the fore. How do you manage the tension between who you find you are when you're under pressure, you're maybe you're, you're tired, time is short, versus the person that you aspire and want to be more of during your times of quiet when you can think clearly? How do I do that? Um, being self-aware, but that's not an easy one. I try to really observe things. I think I have some clue from people I'm interacting with um, and I ask for feedback. So maybe I also realize these kind of things and when I see their reaction, I say, okay, maybe I behave strangely or differently. Um, what I find is, is really understanding how I work. So Myers-Briggs profile, for example, give you a very inter interesting perspective on how you normally behave and how you behave when you are stressed. And understanding this, how I work, the, my way of working on both situations helped me to be more vigilant and say, oh, wow, I need to be careful because I may react like that. And I know when I'm stressed, I'm, I'm asking for these kind of things. I know when I'm in a bad situation I'm, because I got the feedback afterward when I asked for it to my team. It's okay, what can I change? What can I be better? How can I improve? And they gave me these kind of things. And it was easier afterward when it was more in a quiet moment. They say, you know what? When you were like that, I didn't really like. You felt me that way. I say, okay, point taken. So, so it's really something getting to know myself more, uh, asking for feedback, trying to reflect, and then being ready, saying, okay, now I feel not in a good shape. I'm going the wrong direction. This is most likely what's going to happen. Let's make sure I focus on this one. I don't behave that way. And uh, that's more or less how I try to, to do it. Yeah, great. Thank you, Mehdi. I'm sure there's lots of people who are listening who will be able to really relate to you in that, but who will also feel challenged by what you're saying. One of the great things about a, a community like Make Life Click is, is that we recognise together that we can't fully be the people that we know that we can be on our own. We need each other. And feedback is a really important part of that. And humility is a really important part of receiving feedback and receiving it in the way that it's meant, even when the feedback's challenging. I'd like to just finish our conversation around humility by asking you one more question. And that is, 
looking at the world as it is now with all its challenges and problems and the myriad of opinions flying around in the area of humility uh Mehdi, you talked about leadership earlier in the importance of leadership what's the number one thing that you would like to see change linked to humility in general yeah i think it's the part i just mentioned the, the mention in the the second point i mentioned in humility so assume you don't know and and empathy i, I think there's a huge gap because people don't listen to each other don't want to put themselves in the shoes of the others and say okay assume you don't know why the person is reacting that way why is he behaving that way and, and just not base uh, judgment too quickly and defining who is right and who is wrong and it's black and white there's a lot of gray so so i i think humility would could help definitely to to close this gap um and say okay let's pause for a minute uh put my thoughts aside and try to understand the perspective of the of the person and maybe he's wrong and maybe he's right but let me listen first and understanding that maybe i'm not necessarily right um so yeah that's what i would love to see more uh, in the society to really put ourselves in the shoes of others and just better understanding their position and doesn't mean that we need to agree or disagree and we can agree that we disagree as well that's okay but we don't have to be enemy and killing each other for that yeah so so listening with the intention the genuine intention of understanding the perspective of others and listening with a willingness to change our view if that's the right thing to do that's really what i'm hearing you say there yeah, yeah. um so so one thing i i i saw in a, in a movie this week was quite interesting it's about um teenager with problems and one of the one of the point was a teenager who create problems is first a, a teenager who has problem and and the first reaction when you see the behavior of violence and all of that you would tend to immediately protect yourself and reject this teenager and i was amazed by well, it's a movie but i'm sure this is close to reality i'm amazed by the educator who tried to bridge with them come to them understand the problem and just uh, And, and really going this way. So if they behave like that, is because there is an underlying reason. There is a why they behave that way. Why they are violent. Why they are not listening. Why they are and going and understanding this why is is the way to probably fix the symptom. Um, and, and that that that's something was also yeah in business, but more importantly in uh, yeah, also in in parenting and and uh, teenager in general. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think at the at the heart of that is listening, is just giving people time to express, such that they feel a sense of, of you wanting to understand and know them. Yeah, and listening because in some situation normally communication are broken, um, so need to find ways to communicate other than words or finding the right way to communicate. So listening to yeah, as I mentioned, body language or any other way or trying to be in the right environment to communicate finding ways to communicate is probably very important so yes listening in general but finding the right channel the right mean to communicate is probably also a hard task because there is also a lot of different preferences so people like to communicate one way and other in another way so let's just close our conversation if we may by talking about the area of legacy medi so this is perhaps something that people don't naturally think about too much some people do some people don't how do you hope to be remembered uh, yeah legacy is a big one <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> it's linked to the motivation I, I mentioned at the beginning, uh, having a, a positive impact on people's life. So I would like to be remembered saying, oh, you know what, maybe help me, uh, may help me in that way, or I wouldn't have done it uh, if he wasn't there, or he, he pushed me to do that, and I'm so glad he did. And this is probably the, the, the kind of things um, I, I would love to be, uh, to be remembered for. And when I talk about legacy, my, my current professional legacy um, is, a, is, a, is a partnership I did with UNICEF helping vulnerable teenagers in, in Brazil, in Romania, in Cambodia. And, and that's really through education. And we touched the lives of thousands of teenagers. And, and I met them. I spent every, week, every year, I went there for two weeks in the various countries. And that was a life-changing experience for me, for them, and also for the people who came with me. Uh, and and that's, that's the kind of thing that, yeah, it was too intense week. And we, we learned so much. We changed lives, self-confidence. So we brought also self-confidence. We talk about, I remember one of the, the teenagers telling us, uh, nobody ever cared. I didn't exist. And you guys are coming from Europe. It was in Brazil. Coming from Europe, leaving your family and friends, coming all the way here to take care of me for two weeks. That's amazing. And that's the kind of thing was this type of moment that, uh, I don't know, it was 10 years ago or something like that. I will keep it for the rest of my life. So this is the kind of thing that I'll be, I hope I will be remembered for. I can tell, as I'm sure those listening can, that you really have a heart for inspiring others, for seeing other people grow to become all that they can be. But I also know, Mehdi, that you're somebody who, likes to very intentionally get straight to the point. You like to be quite straightforward in terms of the way that you uh, communicate, express yourself. And I wonder if to some people, just talking about this whole area of hope over fear, some people perhaps need to be a little bit more like that themselves. I know for me, I can sometimes, probably through fear, I can go backwards and forwards in terms of telling people what I, I really think. But often that's what people need and that causes them to feel heard and that causes good, good things to happen. So thank you so much for talking with me and um, for being as open with me and those who are listening. I'd just like to ask you one final question that I asked Emily in episode one and Charlotte in episode two. And that's if you based more of your decisions on hope, Medi would be taking more risk. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, that, that would be that. So uh, going for what I feel is right or what I feel uh, the place I need to go. And, and yeah, the, the positive envisioning I was talking about, I did in the, on the pitch, I don't do that enough. So I'm, I'm, I'm in, a, in a golden cage and I'm staying a bit too much in my golden cage. So probably taking more risk, going outside of my comfort zone and, and, and outside of the golden cage is probably what I would do if I was focusing more on hope than fear. Brilliant. Do come and join us again next time when we'll be exploring the value and power of honesty, which I think you'll agree with me is more important than ever right now. So thank you again, Mehdi. Thank you very much, Tim, for having me. Thanks for listening to the Make Life Click podcast. We hope it's been helpful for you. 
please leave us a comment wherever you listen to podcasts and we hope you'll join us again next time